Hi everybody and welcome to this, the ARC360 podcast, brought to you in association with our corporate partners, ASIS, BMS, CAPS, Copart, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance and S&G Response, as well as our partners, the Green Parts Specialists in DASA and the Innovation Group. So great podcast interview coming your way today because we speak to Bob Linwood, the public face of industry charity Autoraise, who explains the premise behind the pioneering program designed to develop the next generation of skilled industry leaders. Bob also exclusively reveals the organisation's new Stepping Up program, pays tribute to Autoraise's founding fathers along with the unwavering support of its existing trustees, launches into an immensely powerful rallying cry for the industry, talks about a triumph over common sense, and reveals his once aspirations of being a rock star. Enjoy this podcast, great interview coming up with Bob. Uh, So great to see you Bob, thanks very much for uh, joining us. It's the uh, 6th of August, it's a bit of a gloomy day outside looking out of my window, and thankfully you've said the same out of your window. But great to catch up with you, and thanks very much for your time today. I know you're a busy, busy man, like I suppose everyone at the moment. So for those who don't know you, if you could just give us a little bit of background. Uh, who, who is Bob Linwood, and what's his relationship uh, with the industry? Firstly, thanks for inviting me on the, on the podcast. Really great opportunity for, for Auto Race as well at this time to uh, help get our message across. Um, Blimey, uh, I suppose a lot of people listening to to this will will know me, so they'll they'll probably uh, roll their eyes at the moment and go and get a cup of tea. I started out in the industry when I was about eighteen, left school with no qualifications to speak of, did a couple of dead end jobs, didn't really matter because I was going to be a, a rock drummer um, in a in a superstar band and uh, didn't need to worry about work. And as as you worked out, that didn't pan out. So uh, I, I end up getting my next job at a company called Sia Abrasives, as they're now known, and much to their surprise, as well as mine, I ended up staying there for about 15 years, and by the time I left, I was the technical director's assistant, really, working on the refinish trade, and uh, having worked in the car manufacturing plants, and then being exposed to body shops, I really, you know, knew that that's where I wanted to spend my career. I got uh, recruited into BASF then, and ran their own distribution there, uh, for their RM brand in and around London, a really big step up for me from zero people responsibility to running five branches and 35, 40 people, I think. Uh, so that was a baptism of fire. Uh, went down the MBA route at BASF request there and uh, got partially down there. Uh, had a really good time there, baptism of fire in management. Then I joined Axana Bell uh, as a regional sales manager for their Midlands region. I was there for two and a half years, I think. Um, then went to Nibs Group. I was there for about 13 years. Uh, ended up being business development director, looking after the, the vehicle manufacturer and clients that, that Nibs had. And then took a step, well, took a partial step out of the industry to start my own business with my brother and another business partner in the creative side of things. So we uh, we do marketing website, brand development, work with some great businesses in the uh, in the industry and famously at the time CAA we rebranded uh, Simon David David and Mark and that was a really good piece of work and uh, created some more opportunity for us and we created a, a brand called Whoop uh, Young Driver Insurance and ended up doing we created another business called Verve which now does a lot of websites in the industry and I got to a point in my career a bit of an overshare um, sure many people are aware of this but we tragically lost our son Ethan in a car accident he was 11 and as a result of that we started a charity in his memory helping young people in the Essex area where we lived and um, 
as a direct result of that, we hooked up with Rice Street Group to support their growing need to find young people to put into apprentices. And I got introduced to the Auto Race Trailblazer team, which Chris Oliver had put together. All the lights came on and the bells started ringing. And it was clearly, sounds a bit biblical, but it, it, was, it was a path that opened up for me. Um, after what we'd gone through with, with uh, losing Ethan and you know it just became the, the focus of everything for me and you know working with young people now was really important. The opportunity to help this what was then effectively the Trailblazer group to uh, start making an impact on the industry was where I decided to go. What a backstory that is. I mean you've, you've packed a lot in in that in that short period of time Bob this is where I'm being flattery towards you obviously you know you're only in your mid-30s still so it's uh... <laughs> well I know I look it I'm not actually <laughs> <laughs> no that's uh, no great great little insight and, and i think it's always important you know to put context on these things all of a sudden you know if people are only kind of you know starting to realize what auto raise is and the name bob linwood you know it's always great to put some context and the and the sort of you know the journey you've had not only in the industry but obviously with your, with your personal circumstances it certainly helps um put, put some context in terms of your role and your mission there at auto raise so you know moving on then obviously you know tell us a little bit about auto raise you, you mentioned chris oliver you mentioned the rye street gang when it kind of fell into place elaborate a little bit more on, on that for us we engaged with bill bill duffy at rye street group we got on famously and we several occasions we've had a few beers and talked about how we could help because we with ethan's charity we engaged with all the secondary schools in the area where rye street group have a footprint you know bill was talking to me about the fact that you know they need to get young people into business and well, why, why don't we start using our relationships and, and contacts at the local high schools to start talking about the industry to to them. We, we both agree that's a brilliant idea and actually how that, how that all um, ended up manifesting itself was the first ever auto raise industry showcase event at Rice Street Group. Stroke of luck or stroke of genius, I'll let the listeners decide. I decided to invest in um, a video company to come and video the event. Probably worth saying at this stage, what, so auto raise existed as a trailblazer group, group of uh, repairers that Chris had got together to help get the new multi-skilled apprenticeship program into the industry. I'd, having been exposed to auto raise and with, with my sort of recent journey behind me uh, with Ethan I just talked about, I basically said Look, I want to help, I want to get involved. We've got a bit of money in Ethan's charity that we can we can help do some things with and um, you know I re really want to do that so I started to engage with him and, and at some point we felt that the, having a new apprenticeship standard wasn't going to help the industry skills crisis. It wasn't going to solve it anyway. And something more needed to be done. So we, we decided to become a charity. So we started that process. And then I, I, I can tell you exactly, 1st of April 2016, I walked away from our businesses and agreed to fund myself to get the auto raise charity off the ground. So between April 2016 and end of October 2016, I basically was was out there funding myself, speaking to businesses, um, telling them about what auto raise we're looking to do. So, and as part of that journey, we, we built this um, this showcase event at Rice Street Group, and we ended up having over 100 kids with their parents there, and we filmed it, and it was fantastic, a really, really great event. And I think that was the, the catalyst for, for an awful lot, because we were able to use that video to show you know, our, our, our growing partner interest, you know, what could be achieved. So by November 2016, the charity was finally signed off by the Charities Commission because that was that was still up in the air, frankly. 
we we had the commitment by then of the likes of LV, Eshaw, Morelli Group at the time, you know, a number of other partners, UPOL, who basically said, look, we, we understand, we, we get it, we want to support you. So, yeah, so we, we got signed off in, in November 2016. We had a launch event in the Tower of London in December 2016. When I often talk about it, it's, it was akin to those... 2016 uh, months was akin to rolling a number of balls up a hill. You know, one was getting funding, one was getting in- engagement from from the industry about the need to invest in young people, and, and one was getting engagement from training providers about uh, delivering a new apprenticeship programme. And, and at the Tower of London, all of those three boulders toppled over the top of the hill, and I've been chasing them ever since. Been a hell of a journey, obviously. But, yeah, that, that's, in a, in a nutshell, that's how Auto Raised the Charity to be and four years ago i mean i remember it well because i was present at uh, that first rye street do and at the uh, the tower of london as well has that time flown for you or is it uh, does it seem like a long time ago really good question it doesn't seem like four years ago it does it does seem longer than that it's been a, a remarkable journey in, in many ways because what we realize there's so many audiences that we need to engage with and and present ourselves you know from you know, potentially a 13, 14 year old kid who's still, you know, who's being told he's got to consider career options through to their teachers and their parents and then through to training providers and then through to repairers and then through to the, the supply chain for the, for the industry. You know, they've all got different needs, they've got, all got different reasons for wanting to engage with, with Autoraise. And, so, you know, building that first website during 2016, you know, trying to consider everyone that we had to uh, engage with and uh, you know really encourage and motivate to want to to, to be part of what we were doing was a uh, was, was a bit of a challenge and still is to be honest and, and I think there have been times during the journey when there's been a little bit of I don't know uh, identity crisis and people don't really understand what auto race were because we'd started out as a, a group of repairers that were very heavily behind the multi-skilled program and we evolved into a, a, a charity which really has nothing to do with with that trailblazer. The, the charity is all about showcasing the industry to young people, uh, helping repairers uh, and training providers engage with each other and take on young people and um, uh, and making that work. So it's been a, been a long journey, and, there's st- and you know we've, we've achieved so much, but there's still so much to achieve. We haven't scratched the surface really. So um, to answer your question, it, it feels a lot longer than four years. As my uh, my dwindling hair and um, and growing amount of grey hair is uh, is showing, despite the fact I'm only 35. Of course. <laughs> All right. Now we'll come back to the sort of combination of the you know the charity and the trailblazers a bit uh, shortly because we'll explore that trailblazers a bit more in depth. So in terms of the sort of setup of Auto Raise, again you've already kind of alluded to how it all came about. Can you give us a little bit more information there? How's it set up? Who is involved? Sort of how does it all work really? I'm the only full-time employee of, of um, Auto Race. Um, we did have a, another uh, full-time employee in our, our early days. That didn't work out. So when we became incorporated as a charity, I, I officially became came onto the, the headcount. We never had an office. No need to waste money on on that. I had a really good annex at, at home where I lived, and uh, which was actually a purpose-built office. So we were able to use that. One of the first tasks. To, to become a charity was to build a group of trustees. We did that, and Chris Oliver was he- heavily involved at the time, along with Hannah Crick from Fix Auto Stevenage. We got some people involved in the early days, you know, the likes of Dave Sargent, Maria Charlton, Kevin Moran, 
Michael Golding, you know, there were lots of people who came on came on board during that time. So, and, and today we have a different board of trustees now because things evolve. I absolutely work for the trustees. They are legally responsible for, for the charity and I'm an employee of the charity. In more recent times, we've been able to bring someone else onto the headcount. That's uh, Jen Evans. She's our business support exec. She uh, she came in literally three days before the pandemic started. So her her career didn't get off to the start we'd uh, we'd hoped. And throughout all of that time, we've had uh, the brilliant support of a lady called Indra. Indra North was involved with the Trailblazer Group back when Auto Race first got spoken about, which I guess was 2011, 2012 maybe. And we've retained her on a consultancy basis for a certain number of hours or days per week as, as, as and when required. Uh, and she's very much looked after the needs of the Trailblazer group because it's, it's a semi-sales semi pitch. We do an awful lot for the industry at our cost so that the money that Autoraise is able to get from income, part of that goes to creating apprenticeship standards, liaising with training providers, liaising with government in various formats, including DFE, what is now known as IFAE, to make sure that the industry has a modern fit-for-purpose apprenticeship standards. That's all at the charity's cost, and the whole of the industry benefit from that. So, uh, so yeah, that, you know, there's, we get to that point where we feel that, the, you know, more industry stakeholders should possibly recognise the work we do there and make a contribution. Uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about the impact of the pandemic um, later on in, in, in this discussion. So, yeah, I'll save that for them. But, but yeah, it's, um, you know, a really important thing for us. We will certainly come on to the, uh, the various impacts that we've seen and sort of current status of, of where you're at with things. But sort of relaying back to those very early days, the 2016, when you, when you first set out, you know what what's all what's changed has, has the mission evolved in any way shape or form you, you sort of already mentioned the fact that you know scoping this thing out it kind of grows arms and legs the more you the more you become involved in it um potentially and is, is that the case is it continuing to grow in that sense it has i mean we've had opportunity i mean the amount of time we're still totally unique we are told by people that i go to the government that there isn't another charity that exists purely to address a skills crisis in any particular industry. That's our sole focus, our sole aim. We're not encumbered by anything else. We're not. We don't. We we, we don't deviate from that path at all. We we only exist to help our industry address its skills crisis, primarily through the introduction of young people into technical apprenticeships. That was the vision at the time, and that hasn't changed at all. But like I say, there's been opportunities for other sectors within our industry. So service, you know, um, the, the quick fit type of business, you know, various stakeholders of approach said, look, could you, could you help us as well? And, you know, we said, no, you know, we, we need to focus on the, uh, on the issue in the vehicle repair industry. That's where our heart is. That's where our, our core proposition lies. We've had opportunities to develop similar programs around the world and, Again, with trustees, we've de declined to do that because we, we've got to make a success of what we do in, in the UK, first of all. And, uh, and if that presents opportunities to cross borders later on, then, then fine. Because, as you say, we're only, we're only sort of uh, four years young. Yeah, we, we, our original mission has, hasn't changed. There's been changes and, and things haven't panned out how we expected them to, I guess. We had a monumental task of getting the, the actual the core reason also race first came together uh, the uh, monumental task of getting um, multi-skilled apprenticeship 
programme live and then a lot of engagement with the government around the funding of it. We, we, it was a great achievement there for us to get the funding band raised and then you know training providers the important said oh, I, mean, I won't go into detail because it, it will um it will bore a lot of listeners to death but there, there's been an awful lot of activity around that so there's been some disappointments and surprises along the way but but by and large it's it's been a you know a, i would say a massive success story and you know success is isn't necessarily just measured by the amount of apprentices that we've impacted on because actually data is a big problem in our industry we we don't know we know that we put the spotlight onto developing young people in our industry. And I, I often meet repairers who said, oh, I took on an apprentice recently. And I said, oh, really? You didn't, didn't involve water rates? I said, no, no, no. I, I, you know, I had a young lad anyway. Uh, I've seen what you were doing in the industry. I you know, went to your website, read about what you were doing, heard other people talk about it. And I just got on with it. You know, and, I, and I don't know how many tens, hundreds of, uh, of young people have come into our industry as, a, as an indirect result of what water rates have done but what we do know is that we've swung the spotlight on to developing young people and I'd like to think we've been responsible for a, a cultural change um, whether that change would have happened without us we'll never know but I think what we've what we've taken uh, employers from is looking at young people as cheap labour to being the only solution for the future you know I often say flippantly we're not going to walk into a forest and find a whole load of painters that are, that are trained up you know there's no real transferable skills from other industries there is only one solution we have to find young people and train them how to repair motor vehicles and if we don't do that our industry is in, in deep deep trouble and that was at the core of our thinking right at the very beginning and that hasn't that hasn't changed one iota today no, that's great. And I think sort of testament to that was we spoke to Auto Road Chairman Dave Sargent joined us on one of the webinars recently. And I think, uh, you know, from their position of closing down the business temporarily and then bringing staff back in, some of the first people he said were on his team sheet were the apprentices. Get those back in the business first. So it's sort of testament to what, what you've been up to. And, uh, you know, again, somebody as influential as Dave, how he perceives the importance of, of young people coming into the industry. Yeah, I think so. I think, and, and Dave, you know, often gets a little bit so embarrassed, but very conscious of the fact that uh, a lot of auto races early uh, activity was was Gemini centric. You know, you got to be fair to Gemini. They they were absolute standard bearers for for apprentices. They were very vocal about it. They were very passionate about it, and they put a lot of you know a lot of faith and money into creating their apprenticeship program and they were instrumental in the uh, success of auto race so far i believe so you know and, and many other great businesses have followed their own distinctive path but generally the apprenticeship story you know people like carl Vella group andrew walsh awarc is obviously rice street artists a lot of the groups have, have done that and i guess one of the frustrations for us has been able to get to the the smaller repairers getting our voice heard there because we know they, they need help and because it's been only me you know i can't physically go out to the however many are let's say there's two thousand vehicle repairers pre-pandemic you know it, it's physically impossible for me to get around all of those so we've had to use word of mouth and um, third third hand messaging to try and get to them and we know there are hundreds of really good repairers out there who could probably benefit from us helping them find young people and marry them up with training providers you know that's that's still a big challenge for us but the group certainly have adopted the, the apprenticeship challenge and, and they get it you know they understand it and in terms of you know specific successes you, you've obviously mentioned a few names there but are there any real sort of case studies that spring to mind that you know you, you often share with people or, or use as a as an example of the good that auto race can do 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mentioned a few of the showcase events were brilliant. We, we ended up doing showcase events all around the, the country, but uh, and, and there are quite a few on video as well. You know, since we, we've never had an unsuccessful showcase event. I think we, we've done, I don't know, 12, 15 maybe. And in every case, we found at least one apprentice come into the industry. So, you know, that, that's been a highlight. I guess sometimes, you know, the, the, there's a number of times, being honest, where I've been reduced to tears because I've been in an environment where I thought, oh, that's just incredible. You know, Gem and I did a, a one-year um, event for their new apprentices and they invited me along and there were there were young people being awarded and their parents were there and their parents were really emotional and you start hearing about what some of these young people were start, starting to achieve already uh, and you think, oh, that's just incredible. And then... Uh, there's a young lady at Fix Auto Loughborough, you know, she had had a brilliant start in life and she came along to at a, um, one of our events and um, she got it straight away and she's turned out to be a brilliant apprentice for uh, Paul and Rachel and the team there. There's lots of stories like that. You know, at the moment, the Vela Group have got three candidates who are all multi-skilled apprentices, but they are, they've reached such a level that they are candidates in single discipline competitions for for the um, UK part of the world skills event you know and that's there, there are lots and lots of individual cases where where I where I could talk about I think generally that just seeing young people develop and just feeling part of the movement where I think we've professionalized the employment of young people I think before the system just worked against everyone the young person the employer the training provider and it, you know it just it, it resulted in us having the problem that we've got now with um, not enough qualified technicians but to see young people coming in you know they're, they're being recruited properly they're being in, inducted properly they can see their career ahead of them because the employers are taking their time to to do things right they're engaging with the, the parent they are they're, they're talking with their training provider as a as a group of three you know the learner the training provider and the employer and develop, developing a program. Why are they doing that? Because they know that, that it's not just an investment. The government, to be fair, are making a considerable investment themselves in, 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 in the apprenticeship program. It's because they are the future. And, and the good employers are getting that and they're, they're investing, not just financially, emotionally, uh, into those young people and trying to keep them on track and working with them. And, you know, we live in a day and age where radicalization and grooming and all those horrible things happen you know the employers have got more challenges than ever before in mental health and all these things you know but they're keeping their focus on 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 the apprentices that they got and the young people we're starting to see the benefit of that you know and attrition rates are much much lower now uh, one day i hope we'll be able to get some data on that around the fact that apprentices are staying on program uh, longer now they're staying with their employer longer because they were recruited professionally and they've been nurtured and motivated in the right way as you say it's um just raised continuing to you know it does exactly what it says on the tin doesn't it, it continues to raise the standards and then i think that's as you say you know more than anything that's probably been noticeable from from where i sit and arguably from where others see it is yeah that level of apprenticeship what is an apprentice and what is their you know immediate role within the industry has gone from, as you spoke of earlier, someone coming in and sweeping the floors to actually someone who's valuable from the outset, who's on a real learning mission and is actually a pathway potentially for them to follow. Absolutely. Yeah. When, we, when we talk to young people with employers, we, what we can show is a brilliant industry to work in. You know, they're going to be working on modern technology, growing technology. You know, that's, that's evolving all the time, the modern motor car. They're going to earn really well, really well once they're qualified. 
better at the moment. I always say, you know, if you compare yourself with your mate who's maybe working at a, a fast food place or, or a warehouse or DIY store, you know, yeah, they're going to start their their earnings much higher than you. It's never going to grow, not unless they get into to management, which most won't. You know, you as a as a qualified technician will start an apprenticeship wage and in a very short time will be earning really, really well. And then career potential, you know, our industry is full of people who know how to repair cars properly. Our industry couldn't really survive without that. So, you know, once you've got that skill, the ability to build your career within your current employer, go elsewhere, start your own business, you know, the world's your oyster, literally. And people in the supply chain have come from, from the shop floor predominantly and have now got great jobs. And, and you can show all that to young people and they get it. And I think employers also recognise and we can't keep them in cotton wool. We've got to tell them about the, you know, the bigger opportunity in our industry and uh, let's hope that we can nurture someone who wants to stay with us. So yeah, that's been a, a really, a really, you know, big thing for us is making sure the young people understand the potential coming into our industry because it's a fantastic, fantastic industry to work in. Oh, yes, I'd certainly agree with that. Having been a uh, lifelong servant to it, uh, it's, uh, no, it's, it is a great industry. It really, really is. You know, so many different pathways that you can follow. Um, and that, I think that's also, you know, a big part of this is, you know, there's anything from marketing to, you know, um, paint technician exactly. and everything else in between. You know, so there's so many different routes to, to the way you can go now. During the midst of a pandemic situation at the moment, businesses have been heavily impacted. Just tell us a little bit about kind of current status, position of auto raise and, and you know, what the impact has been on, on, on the charity. It's been close to catastrophic, to be very, very candid. We're not ashamed of that. You know, we, we, are, we are like any other organisation. We got caught in a perfect storm. Many people will know we put on the real rally. That's been responsible over the years, or certainly the last couple of years, for about 50% of our income. COVID put paid to that this year. We were going to have two rallies, actually. We're going to have one in, one in Europe and one in the UK. Fantastic plans for really building the event, getting more and more involvement. We haven't been able to do that. You know, it's left a massive hole in our, our income. That wouldn't have been so bad if we hadn't decided to change our funding strategy with our partners as well. So, like I say, it was the perfect storm. You know, we came into the pandemic with, in a difficult situation, what was perceived to be an inability to create some 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 funds. So I immediately furloughed myself you know I, i'm the charity's biggest cost because i'm the only only employee but the weight's heavy on my shoulders most times but that's where we are and you know someone has to do this so yes yeah, so we did that to protect the funds and, and basically regroup and gather as a board of trustees to decide what we're going to do so i, I went back out on my non furlough period to some of our, our previous partners and current partners say look you know this is this is where we are we've got a problem and they've been absolutely brilliant. They've made some commitments to, to support us over the next few months, which is great. We just need to get to a point where we can start raising money again, because part of our strategy was we were going to be doing some external meetings and, uh, and events and what have you, and which would provide sponsorship opportunities for our, for our partners. And of course, the pandemic has eradicated that as well. So, um, so yeah, so we are currently putting a program together called Stepping Up with all of our advocates and, and those companies and repairers who already support us are supporting our, our, our Stepping Up program. You know, we stepped up to, to, to auto-raise because we wanted to exercise our corporate social responsibility because we knew we had to do something to help the industry for the future. You know, the, the various motivations that, you know, the, the insurance companies, paint companies, work providers, repairers, you know, the whole piece. 
we want to go out to um, certain insurance companies and, and work providers and say, look, ultimately, we, we, we try to take responsibility for creating a sustainable workforce for your networks for the future. And, you know, we, we'd like you to support us. We feel you should support us, actually. You know, other insurers do. Why don't you? You know, because they get it, they see it, and they're going to get the benefits of it because they're going to have a, a network of repairers who've got people employed as fully qualified technicians to repair their customers' cars. Surely you can see that that's, a, that's an APU. So which, which sounds a bit bullish, but that is the reality. And then we also um, put together a program to engage with the supply chain. So product manufacturers, distributors, suppliers, um, service providers, you know, anyone who survives as a business because of the vehicle repair industry, we believe we've got a really strong argument to say, you know, we'd like you to support the, ch the charity more because we only exist to help sustain the industry. Th there were plans we always had, but the pandemic and, and our immediate financial situation has, has, um, has prompted to that to, to be mobilised a lot quicker. So uh, came back for a while to put all these plans together and I'm now, I'm now on a sort of flexible furlough, if you like, whilst we get all those plans together. So, I, I mean, I'd love to be out to sit here and say, all is rosy in the garden and uh, we've been massively successful. Our, our strategy has only been to take sufficient funding to meet our immediate needs and, and, and have some reserves, So, um, as a charity should have. So, so yeah, it's been a, um, a difficult situation for us. You know, the trustees have been brilliant. Our partners have been brilliant. The people who support us have been brilliant. They've all, they've all stepped up and we're hoping that an awful lot more will be stepping up as well because the industry needs us. You know, we, in all of this, a lot hasn't changed. The average age of a skilled technician isn't likely to drop. We know we believe it's somewhere between 45 and 50. Various things will happen, but generally, you speak to any repairer who employs apprentices, and they'll. And when I ask the question, "Are you considering making any redundant?" You know, you're joking. Well, you took us 20 years, 10, 15, 20 years to get into this problem. We're not going to do that again. You know, the apprentices are the lifeblood of our industry. They're, they're our future, and we'll build around that. Yeah, there's going to be some short-term situations where qualified, competent labour is going to be available on the market because of business closures. You know, and some of those individuals will make decisions to go off to either early retirement or, or other careers, and some will be retained in the industry. But by and large, we know that that's not going to change. That's not going to help the problem. We need to get young people in because the average age of technician is too high. So um, that sort of underpins all of our motivation and activity, really, knowing that the industry understand that we still need to need to exist. In fact, most people say there's, a, there's going to be a greater need for auto roads in the future than ever before. So um, it's important that we tough it out, get through this period, get more support from the industry and, uh, and keep moving forward. So there we have it. Fascinating discussion uh, from Bob thus far and plenty more to come. So uh, please bear with us. Uh, huge thank you to our corporate partners, ASIS, BMS, CAPS, Copart, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance and S&G Response. And of course, our partners, the Green Part Specialists in DASA and the Innovation Group. Enjoy the rest of the podcast. No, that's great messaging, Bob, and you know all the very best for that mission. And and I have to say, you know, it's been uh, you know interesting the journey of our webinars that um, you know apprentices, young skilled people have been mentioned. You know, s several occasions that you know they are the key to the future. So I do wish you all the best with that. And and how people are listening to this, how do I contact Bob Limwood? Easiest way is email Bob Limwood at autoerase.co.uk. Mobile number is oh seven eight nine one oh eight four three eight one. 
you can go to our, our current website, which I'll say now is hopelessly out of date. We are weeks away from having our, the, the replacement site is built. It's just being tested and some content changes and imagery being done. And that will be live very, very soon. So any, any visitors at the moment will see almost our original website which which looks great i have to say but some of the content on it isn't isn't current but you know, you've got got various web forms there that you can fill in that they'll all find their way back please get in touch yeah i mean i'd like to make the statement that many of the industry will be hearing from me either directly or through our our third party advocates over the next few weeks anyway don't be shy to come forward if, if you if you feel motivated to get involved now well, it's good to give people the option, Bob, and make it easy for them. Now, we did touch upon, you know, the charity side of the business, if you like, and the trailblazers side. Now, lots has been happening there. And we've recently seen Auto Rays and the Collision Repair Sector Group, which are the two trailblazer divisions, have kind of merged. Again, can you just give us a little bit more context in there? Because I still think within the industry, there's you know, it's a little bit of confusion, arguably, and, and perhaps, you know, you know, you've kind of mentioned it yourself between this whole charity auto raise and this trailblazer side of things. So, again, is this whole movement just going to provide a bit more clarity around there, do you think? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good question and a complex one to answer. Like I said, I mentioned identity crisis earlier. You know, first and foremost, auto race came together to give the name to a group of motivated repairers who wanted to bring a new apprenticeship standard into the industry. As I've said, we've evolved into a charity, but also Razor still retained responsibility for that trailblazer group because as the collision repair sector group would also say, you know, it's not as easy as creating a standard, getting it launched and walked away. It's like giving birth to, to a child, you know, it needs feeding, it needs to be shown how to walk and, you know, it needs, it needs education and, and what have you and nourishment. We've had to continue doing that with the initially the, the multi-skilled and then more recently the vehicle damage assessor apprenticeship standards that we created that's something as i said earlier that indra does and that the charity bears the cost for uh, and that's absolutely fine it's fair to say in the early days the multi-skilled almost got into a position of conflict with the group that were reinvigorating the three single skill in hindsight uh, it's a ridiculous thing because what both groups wanted to do was create modern fit for purpose apprenticeship standards to attract young people i'll be honest a lot of auto raised rhetoric was around talking about multi-skill even as the charity where we were talking to repairers they were saying well multi for my business is the best fit we, yes we still want the single skills as well but multi-skill can be a really good thing for us and then of course very, very publicly you know the likes of the groups i mentioned earlier all wanted to go down primarily down the multi-skill group so so there was this like energy that uh, around multi-skill that was fueling a lot of what auto race was doing and, and we managed to find ourselves not in competition but completely isolated from each other in terms of two separate trailblazer groups it's fair to say that over the last 18 months two years we recognized we could be accused of being too supportive of just our own industry apprenticeship standards so we, we started to be a lot more inclusive and we, we found ourselves, you know, when a repairer said, oh, I want to take on an apprentice, right, okay, what apprenticeship do, do you want to start someone on? I'd like to be a painter or panel painter. Then I was, I was starting to in, uh, introduce repairers to other training providers. So, so we started to be a lot more inclusive. But to be honest, when uh, Dean Lander from Thatcham joined our trustee board and in dialogue with him, we recognised actually the two original trailblazer groups were no longer sitting. Chris Oliver had had to step aside because of sort of family reasons and Tom Hudd from the collision repair sector group was no longer meeting the criteria of IFA because he wasn't an employer. So we needed a new chair, both groups needed a new chairman and, and so you know 
Dean was 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 absolutely pivotal to the discussions that we started having with Tom and myself around. Well, why don't we create a single group that can take responsibility not only for all of the technical apprenticeship standards, but also in the future the development of young people through training. You know, it could be a really great thing. So yeah, so we we basically put it to the two individual groups that we wanted to look at this, and uh, we got great support for it. I wouldn't say it's been a, a walk in the park, you know, because there is some areas in the past where it's still a little bit raw I guess in terms of that perceived conflict but we're overcoming that we're going to be electing a chairman soon we're going to be renaming the group as well and that's a really important thing because I'm taking responsibility at the moment for managing all the communications to the enlarged group with, with the support of Dean and Tom I'm not doing anything without their knowledge and approval again because auto rays are central to all of this it, it's it's all comes back to us to, to manage it all really you know auto rays should be stepping back once a a name has been created for the group and once a chairman has been created then then really auto race will continue to fund the administration of it so that the group will be made up of, of independent people who are either employees or run their own businesses but indra will continue to give administrational support and handle communication and that will be a cost to the charity as it always has been and we're happy to do that to support the group but it's not an auto race group, it's the industry's trailblazer group, and that's really, really important. We've just got to get there. We're a couple of weeks, I think, from being at, at that point. And then we've got a really big piece of work to do, and that is the, the, the multi-skilled uh, endpoint assessment. needs a total revision. That work needs to start pretty damn quick. So uh, it's important we get those groups together. But it's a great thing for the industry, you know, that it's, it's, a, it's a triumph of common sense, you know, harmonisation of the two groups. And, and it gives also raise the charity a lot more kudos as well going forward. So it's, it's a brilliant thing and looking forward to getting all of that formalised. As you say, you know, it seems like a really positive thing for the industry as a whole. The fact that um, it's a combination, it's a, it's a merger of two very influential and important groups to, to all of this to the industry as a whole so it's uh you know credit to you guys and uh and obviously dean and tom for getting behind it and, and making it happen plenty more work to still be done by the sounds of it oh, yes. <laughs> so in, in terms of you know we've obviously got you've obviously got that kind of you know one side to take care of and we've obviously got the stepping up campaign so they're kind of you know priorities really for for, for auto raise moving ahead you know do you divvy this up into immediate mid long-term plans and, and what might they be at the moment for auto raise well, i think that uh, the, the pandemic has made things very very difficult we made a an immediate conscious decision at the start of the outbreak that we would not be pestering repairers about whether they're going to be taking on apprentices i mean somewhere between churlish and downright stupid so we sort of really eased back on our communications aided by the fact that i was i immediately went furloughed so we went silent for a while and and, and that was absolutely the right thing to do as we start to come back as the end we, we sort of stepped in line with the industry really as the industry started to see numbers rising you know a couple of months into the into the uh, outbreak we i started to come back it's a difficult one you know still our position is we're not going to be talking to repairers about what their recruitment needs are you know every every repairer we've engaged with have pretty much said the same thing our business development strategy has has been put on hold until 2021 uh, our expectation is that will be reinvigorated and part of that is young people and i mentioned before you know pretty much all the employers that i spoke to said we are not we are not, not, not going to get ourselves in the same situation of not investing in, in young people. So, so, so from that respect, there's little we can do to help repairers with their any apprenticeship needs. 
having said that, we are still getting young people making inquiries for our website because, of course, there was a, a group of young people who came to the end of their full-time education at some point over the last few weeks who probably didn't get the career advice that they would normally have got. And I have to say that's not brilliant in the education sector at the moment anyway, but it would have been less. And some of them are familiar with our industry and make their way to auto-raise and we're still able to partner young people up with potential employers and those affiliated repairers who are already working with us obviously get get the first bite of that cherry and a number of them are, are talking to young people about taking them on which is brilliant so no massive you know we want to build an eight cohort of three four five eight people um, for our business right now but we will look at the, the occasional opportunity to take on a, a new young person if it fits with our plans there is a lot of work to do to keep the young people we do have in apprenticeships in the industry on track you know a lot of training providers still haven't come back yet but you know they're, they're everyone's reacted differently to the to the pandemic so there's young people who aren't being trained and, and employers be it a, a big group or a, an individual single site body shop still need our help in keeping those young people motivated and we're keeping a sort of watching brief on that if you like and, and, and we were about to launch a focus group to see how we can support employers and and what we can offer young people to to keep their motivated you know and it might be some more fun based sort of not, not work related opportunities you know like virtual games and stuff like that to to keep them interested and aware of the bigger bigger picture in the industry you know the the rally was always a great thing for that because apart from the fact we all had a great laugh and raised a whole lot of money actually the majority of the cars were projects prepared by young apprentices that was a part of the whole reason for doing it so uh, they haven't got that this year so we, we want to try and find other ways of, of doing that so in the short term we we are we're looking at funding we're focusing on the trailblazer group and they're they're in our immediate sites in the medium term, we're making sure we're going to be ready for horrible cliche, the new normal and understanding what repairers are going to need from us in the future. It won't have fundamentally changed, but there'll be some nuances, I think, and uh, little opportunities to flex a bit in our, our proposition. So we, we, we need to understand that when the time is right for employers to talk about. The long term, like everyone else in our industry, you know, in the absence of a crystal ball, I, I really can't tell you. Armageddon is, is a... Is a, is a horrible thing to to even consider if you think we the industry doesn't invest in young people and we let the skilled peter out to uh, retirement or death and we're not left with enough people to do it so so that that's what drives us like i say there aren't any alternatives there aren't transferable skills there there is only the opportunity to find young people invest in them so that that has to remain true for everything we do short medium and long term and that's where our our focus will always be and, and just finding ways of making that happen and working with the right people and finding ourselves in the right environments to to continue doing that and uh, we've got successful case studies and blueprints that show our work will get results with more funding we can increase our team and do in, in pure charity parlance do more good doing more good for for auto raises is getting more young people involved in our industry and working with more and more repairers to to help their skills needs so yeah you know in many ways things haven't changed but we have to we haven't wasted the opportunity like any business should have done in these horrible last few months to to reevaluate where they are and what they want to do and what they need to do and you know we've done that and we're still listening to the industry and understanding what we need to do to best serve them you're kind of you know succinctly put what's your kind of message to the industry right now well i could take the bob Geldof route from Live Aid, but I won't. If anyone 
who understands our industry should understand that the need to invest in young people will continue to be there for, for many years. You know, it's, it's not a quick fix and we've started that process. So I'd say to the industry, don't lose, for those who've engaged with apprenticeships, apprenticeship programmes, don't lose faith, don't lose sight of why you, why you started to get involved with that or perpetuated your apprenticeship programmes because the problem isn't going away. For those that are in the industry, then engage with us. So open up your eyes and understand what we're trying to do and the need for it for the industry and support us, support us however you can. In immediate terms, that's financially, you know, for, and certainly for insurance companies, you know, is it incumbent on LV and, and then East Shore and Admiral to, to support the charity to help the industry? Is it just down to those three? Shouldn't be. Should be down to all insurers who, who sell um, motor policies to support and get behind. And at the moment, also raise are the only organisation. Yes, we're a charity, but uh, but as an entity, we've only got one focus, and that is helping the industry survive through a sustainable workforce. And you should be getting behind us. Uh, and, and then I would say to the suppliers in uh, in the industry, if you make a living and make a profit out of our industry, and you want to continue doing that then you can do your bit as well. You know, you, you can help us. We're, we're going to be launching a, a program with it for a nominal annual fee, which I haven't come up with a name for it yet, but let's call it the, the Sustainable Industry Workforce Program, where to continue us doing our work and increasing our, our level of activity, you know, we, 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 we would hope anyone making a living out of our industry would support us. From a repairer perspective, it's a really difficult one. We, we've got a number of um, affiliated repairers they make a financial contribution each month and continue to do so it's nominal 50 pound a month you know they they are central to everything that we do in terms of focus groups uh, opportunities to uh, introduce young people work with training providers work with schools etc you know if a repairer feels that they want to get on board with that right now then then great um, but we're not going to be coming out to you and asking for that because we recognize your you're in the hole at the moment and you've got you've got many many other challenges one of which will be cash and and you know making a contribution to the charity but going forward and as we as we start to come out of the pandemic then you know we'd like to think that we can help more and more repairers and that's their way of, of supporting us because we're, we're only in this to to ultimately help them and help the paymaster of the industry have a sustainable industry to to use if you like not so succinct but uh we got, we got there with the messaging in the end been brilliant to uh to speak to you thank you very much indeed for your time a lot of people you know it's great for them to understand uh, a background to any business a background to any individual provide some clarity on areas that you know perhaps people are still you know confused about and things so it's always great to talk and, and provide that for the industry, especially when you know we're faced with the times that we are. So uh, brilliant stuff. Thank you very much indeed, Bob. Oh, thank you, Mark. Brilliant opportunity and uh, been really good talking to you. Super job. Thank you very much indeed, Bob. It's been a pleasure. So thanks, uh, Mark. thanks very much, Bob Linwood. So there we have it. Uh, a huge thank you to our corporate partners, ASIS, BMS, CAPS, Copart, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance and S&G Response, and our partners, the Green Parts Specialists in DASA and the Innovation Group. Hope you've enjoyed that fascinating interview and insight into uh, Bob himself uh, and also obviously Auto Razor Charity and uh, you know again don't be shy if uh, if anyone wants to then please uh, you know di do direct your queries or conversations towards bob because i know he'd love to hear from 
those within the industry who he's not already been in contact with. So uh, great stuff for the industry and he's working really hard along with the rest of the Auto Raise trustees to uh, really make this uh, sing along nicely. So fingers crossed and I wish Bob and all the team there all the very best for the future. So we'll catch up with you again soon. Hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Take care, everybody.